With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. They are Sports Illustrated. It's amazing. This incredible body of work. I really appreciate the integrity. Everything you do is well done. You guys do a great job. We love it. What can we say? He's Chris Maddox. He's employed by Sports Illustrated. The announcer's got it in for me. There you go. This is the Sports Illustrated NBA podcast. If you have a problem with it, build a team that can beat them. Hosted by the one and only. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Chris Maddox. All right, welcome in, everybody, to the Crossover NBA Podcast, formerly known as the Yahoo Sports NBA Podcast. Glad you could join me, and uh, thanks for sticking with me as I make the move from Yahoo Sports over to Sports Illustrated. The podcast, of course, is coming with me, and uh, we'll have a lot of NBA types on every week. The pod will come out early in the week, usually on Tuesdays, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing it. So thanks for subscribing. If you haven't, go over to iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere you can download podcasts and uh, look us up and Thanks for listening. Now, on to my first guest, FS1's Nick Wright. All right, joining me now on the podcast is a guy I love talking NBA with. You can catch Nick Wright every morning on First Things First alongside Chris Carter and Jenna Wolf. Every night, you can listen to Nick from 6 to 8 p.m. on his show, What's Right, on Mad Dog Radio. And Nick joins me in studio for the podcast. What's up, Nick? Mannix, it's been too long. Great to talk to you, my friend. Thank you for having me back. 
you're a busy guy these days, man. How is uh how's it going being up really early and then up quasi late at night? I do not I, I have not many philosophies in life, but one of them is I do not allow myself to complain about things I choose to do. <laughs> and so I chose this schedule. I I, I didn't have to turn accept either job and I accepted both. So my answer, whether it's honest or not, is everything's great. I'm delighted. I, I'm chipper. I am not sleep deprived at all. I don't sometimes fi- forget what day it is. Not, none of that ever happens to me. I feel great. Well, I'm glad you're here. You are uh, officially the first guest of the Sports Illustrated NBA podcast. So uh, oh, that is... you didn't tell me that. I knew you were relaunching under the Sports Illustrated umbrella. Mm-hmm. I did not know I had the honor of being the first guest. So you th- are. Thank you so very much. I, I'm touched. <laughs> I feel like it needs to be launched with a, a solid argument, and nobody argues with me better than uh, than you, Nick Wright. All right, so. well, let's, let's get to it. I mean, I don't know <laughs> at this point in the year – since the season's gone essentially exactly how I told you it would, I don't know what we could argue with, but I'm sure you'll find some things to be wrong about. So we'll let however, it's, your, it's your turf. Let's get started yeah, however you want to do it. Let's do it. All right. Before we get to some of the meteor topics, we got to talk about Golden State. On Sunday, uh, the Warriors, they lost to San Antonio, completing a winless Texas swing. Second double-digit loss in three games for Golden State. It uh, was their third loss, a third straight loss, and fourth in the last five games. Golden State now 1-3 and three since that blow-up in Los Angeles. I guess you could say 1-4 if you include yep. the blow-up in Los Angeles against the Clippers. You know, as you look at it, how fractured do you think Golden State is right now? Or is this a, a, how, or does this have something to do with the fact that Steph Curry's out, Draymond Green uh, missed a, a couple of games, uh, what do you where do you put all this? I think they are fractured. I do think Kevin Durant's leaving. I think he was likely leaving before the incident with Draymond Green, but it is now all but guaranteed that he's leaving because I think the only I don't think a championship was going to keep him. I think joy was going to keep him. And what Draymond said and the fact that Durant, the reason I think that struck Durant so wounded him so much was Draymond, in that moment, became the people on Twitter that KD argues with. He became, as I thought Zach Lowe put it so well, the guy that's sending him snake emojis. And it was so bad for KD because everyone in his life, I assume, I don't know this, but had been telling him for the last two years, don't worry about what those people think. No one that knows you thinks this. No one that knows basketball thinks this. And then Draymond said that to him. So I do think they are fractured. But with that said, the reason that they are on this losing streak, they were 10-1 and going into the game that Steph Curry got hurt in. Since Steph Curry got hurt, they are 2-5. and five. Like, I am, I'm done having the who's the best warrior debate because I don't know the answer to that, but I do know the answer to this. Steph Curry is the only truly indispensable warrior. He is more important to that team and what they are than the next two guys combined, and we are seeing that time and time again. Yeah, I'm with you on on most of those, those points. Uh, I think they are fractured. I think that the early season success kind of masked some of the issues that the team has with Durant. I think Durant, uh, look, he can address his free agency in any way he wants to. It's his right. But his decision to engage on these topics pretty consistently, I think, has some collateral damage there. And I think players in the locker room read him talking about it. I think they clearly understand that his decision to leave money on the table on a long-term deal and take that one plus one was a pretty clear sign that he's not going to be there, or at least you know was leaving his options open 
for next season. But all that being said, assuming the Curry injury is not something that lingers, I look at the Western Conference playoff field, and there's no question, Nick, it's not as strong as it was last year. The Houston Rockets will inevitably get better, but they're not going to be, I don't think, the Rockets that challenged the Warriors to the extent they did last year. I'm not going to buy into Portland as a true title contender or a conference contender just yet. I need to see them play this kind of defense over the course of a season. Right now, Memphis is sitting in the number three spot, and I'm not, I'm not buying the Grizzlies as a tough uh, top team either. So, you know, I think this is the this is the season more than last year that Golden State can have all these problems but still overcome them and get out of the Western Conference. So is this the thing we're going to do, that for a decade the East is weaker and LeBron's benefiting from that, and now we're setting the narrative, oh, LeBron, if he had been out (laughs) East this year, the West is the— No, I— I kid, not really. I'm actually totally serious. However, I agree with you. <laughs> the the top the, where the West right now is difficult is that a, is that it does appear to be ten a true ten teams deep. Now Minnesota is finding who it really is. I, Dallas is finding who it actually is. Sacramento is doing the same. And I think, by the way, that Memphis and the Clippers are going to find a similar fate as well. But there aren't uh, there aren't five truly bad teams out west as there are out east. But I agree with you. And listen, Golden State. They're barring multiple injuries. Nobody can compete with them. Like, they they would need to lose Steph for the playoffs, or they would need to lose two other guys. Like, they, if Durant went down, they are still the favorites. If Clay went down, they are still the favorites. They would, And again, I'm assuming Boogie's playing at some point this year. It's another reason why the Boogie move was so infuriating from a competitive balance standpoint, because the only yeah but with the Warriors, in my eyes, had been the injury factor. I know Houston almost got him last year, and it was injuries that actually cost Houston. But I agree with you. Like, Golden State can deal with all of these struggles and still not only be fine, but still be the one seed. Like, I, I I would bet that they will be the one seed. I don't think there's a 65-win team out West. I thought Golden State, if fully healthy, if they were engaged, should win 74. I thought they, were, they had that ability. That obviously is not going to happen, and they've already dealt with the injury to, I mean, Steph, that's the only knock on his resume, is he is among the superstars. He and Anthony Davis are the only two that are real injury concerns in my mind. But yeah, I agree with you. There's a long answer to say I agree with you. They're they're going to be fine, and I don't know who's going to distinguish themselves as the second best team out West. So let me ask you this. If Kevin Durant this past offseason had signed that long-term deal tying him to the Warriors for you know, the rest of his prime years. Do you think we'd be having this discussion right now? No. No, I think if he did that there, I mean, we would still, we would theoretically still be having the discussion of, wow, Steph is really important. But no, I I think that they, that, that there are no real concerns with them. I think the discussion we're having is more along the lines of what is the rest of the league going to do? I, Kevin Durant, as much as it annoys his teammates, him signing these one-year deals has given the league hope. Now, I will say this. I don't understand why Kevin Durant, and a lot of the things in his career have mirrored LeBron's path, why he did not choose to mirror LeBron's approach to discussing free agency. Yeah. Like, the, LeBron, everyone knew LeBron was probably leaving. 
he, he, as important as Kevin Durant is, LeBron is obviously the superior and more uh, more dominant player. And yet, this was this was a storyline that hovered around the Cavs. But I mean, you you're a guy that actually goes into locker rooms and and covers games. I don't feel like Kevin Love and Jr. and Tristan were asked about this regularly because LeBron deaded that at the beginning of the year. The Kyrie, to his credit, deaded that discussion at the beginning of the year. And I don't even think Durant would have had to do what Kyrie didn't commit. He could have just done what LeBron did and said, I will address it after the year. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not talking about it. Instead, he took the Dwight Howard approach, which obviously wears on teammates, especially when people in the Warriors feel like they went through this last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whenever you talk about it, it, there's very little upside for you and your team because it puts it in the news in, in, in the days of aggregation. It becomes a national story on every website with your quotes going everywhere. I, I didn't really get that. I mean, I get it from Durant is the type of guy that doesn't like to not answer questions, really, to put it sort of simply. He, he is always willing to engage on stuff because I think he, on some level he enjoys the back and forth. But on this particular topic... I think it's causing more harm. It has caused more harm than good uh, within that locker room. But we'll see how it, how it all plays out in Golden State. One other thing I want to hit you about the Warriors. If Durant decides to leave, they may have some decisions to make. I mean, they've got – I think they're going to bring Klay Thompson back. Everything, uh, you know, people They'd connected, be insane not to max Klay they, the they will. moment I, Durant leaves. Uh, they will. And, and I think that Klay is going to take it because Klay has never – and I've, I've had, you know – I have had personally this conversation with Clay Thompson in the past, and every time I've had some variation of this conversation, it's always come back to Clay being like, "Man, I just like winning. Like winning is a lot of fun, and he's enjoying, you know, his role within this team." Of course, all Clay needs to be is on a good team in a state where it's legal, and <laughs> he's going to be one of the happiest guys in the league. And that's why I don't buy, even though from a basketball fit perspective. I think Clay might be the single best guy in the league to pair up with LeBron. Best perimeter player, I should say. From a life fit, I the only reason I would think, and again, I've never talked to Clay like you have, but the only reason I would think Clay would leave would be if he wanted to see how high up the mountain can we get if I'm our best player. And so you wouldn't go to the one place in Los Angeles, where you're guaranteed to not be the best player. So, yeah, I the I think the Clay decision is easy. Now, I assume there are some other decisions you want to talk about that are not as easy. Yeah, I mean, the biggest one is Draymond Green. And, you know, he's, he's obviously the heart and soul of that team. His emotion, for as much as it's gotten him into trouble over the last uh, couple of weeks, it's it's been a net positive, I think, for the Warriors over the course of his career there. However... He's up for a new deal in 2020. He can get a massive max level extension approaching whatever it is, $160, $200 million, whatever that number uh, yeah, It depends be. on if he gets all, exactly. for, if he wins Defensive Player of the Year, which is it, why he's campaigning for it starting day one of the year. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what do you do with Draymond if you're Golden State? And I, I don't ask about 2020. I look at 2019. If Kevin Durant decides to leave, do you think that would or should impact what the Warriors do with Draymond Green? I, if Listen, if Durant says, I'll stay if you trade Draymond, then obviously you trade Draymond. But if Durant leaves, just run the 73-win team back. 
I know that they, it's not the same team because they don't have Harrison Barnes and Iggy at this point four years older. I get all of that. And Draymond from that year to now seems to have lost the ability to shoot. I understand all of that. I also think Draymond is almost the perfect big to pair with Steph Curry. He gives an important defense and toughness component to that team. He's an excellent playmaker for his position. I th- Now, I get the idea that if you're the Warriors, you I don't think there's another team in the league that would max Draymond Green. So you're kind of bidding against yourself. I also think he might leave the Warriors for a lesser deal if they were to not offer him the max. So you're kind of playing, it's an interesting balancing act there. But if let's just say Durant goes to the Knicks. I don't even want to consider this idea of Durant going to the Lakers. I I, I understand they have the slot. I understand there's 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 rumors about it. It I hate that idea. And for Durant, it would be a perplexing decision. It would be the most illogical one. The if Durant goes to the Knicks and they just bring the whole squad back in Golden State, absent of Boogie, obviously, then all of a sudden we've got like nine contenders in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You've got the four excellent teams out east already in Philly, Toronto, Milwaukee, and there's one I'm forgetting. There's, oh, Boston, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you've got the Knicks. Team. You've got the Knicks, wherever, assuming Durant's there, because Durant does make you at least a pseudo contender all by himself, and Durant plus another all star makes you a legitimate frontline contender. The Warriors would still be contenders, if not favorites, out west. See what the Rockets and Daryl Morey look like, and of course, LeBron. So. You and then where Anthony Davis is, et cetera. Like that's the most exciting outcome for the league. I don't think the Warriors, Steph, Clay, no Durant, and no Draymond. I think that team drops down a tier. Yeah, and look the the reason I would look to move Draymond early is because I think it would give you an opportunity to reset your team a little bit and bring in some pieces that you think can work alongside Steph and Clay, not just for one year, because Draymond can for one year and is shown for one year, but for two, three, four years. Maybe you can get two pieces in a draft pick from a team that wants a Draymond What's Green. What's his trade value? You know this better well, than me. Well, I, I, I think it's I think if you do it next summer, it's pretty I don't I, I don't know. I don't want to say high, but I think it's pretty good. I can get something back in return. I think you just have to be proactive here, Nick, because Draymond to me, in the summer of 2020 might be one of the scarier free agents in recent memory. Yeah. Because he doesn't have the type of game that you would think would age well. The shooting is already gone. Declining. It's going and it's going to get worse over the course of his career, I would imagine. Defensive players, you know, don't really age all that well, especially defensive players that rely on speed and versatility. I mean, it's not the same type of player but look at Ben Wallace after the age of 30. I mean, Ben Wallace was, what, uh, sure four-time Def- defensive player yeah. of the year? I mean, he was a great defensive player in his prime with Golden State. After with the Detroit. Age of, oh, D- Detroit, sorry. After the age of 30, he bounced around a little bit. He was with Chicago. He was with Cleveland. He finished back uh, in Detroit. But he was never the same player as he was prior, like the uh, age 26 to 29, 30 sort of range. So I would be terrified for any team, Golden State included, if you're going to give... Uh, but th- Draymond I Green, agree. a max level deal. I agree, but that's why I also question his trade value because it's such a it's su- you're trying to thread such a thin needle. As far as a team, you only want him if you are a frontline contender. You've got to have the space. You've got to be able to spend that money on a guy and not get scoring out of him, right? Like there are so it's how many teams 
really could use him. Like, theoretically, every team could use him, but not the way he needs to be used. And so that's the that that's to me the big question. And I I just think if you're Golden State, if you lose Durant, say, hey, this was a rental. We got three years out of it. We got two or three titles out of it. And now we're going to try, and I think they would want to, to show everyone we didn't even need him. He was a luxury we did not need. Mm. Yeah, well, Which, we'll by see. the way, they obviously, two years ago in the finals, they lose without Durant. Absolutely. That, that Cleveland team, people don't need to look back at the offensive numbers that team was putting up at the end of the regular season in the playoffs. Their defense got better, and LeBron was playing at such an elite level, and Kyrie was playing the best basketball of his life. That Cleveland team would have, I feel like, demolished that Golden State team without Durant. Durant was clearly the difference in that series. I don't think they win either of these last two championships without Durant. Well, last year, I think, correct. But I think that team without Durant maybe could have beaten the the, the, the Cavs team, but they wouldn't have gotten there. They would, yeah. have, they would not have gotten past Houston. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I'll get back to my conversation with Nick Wright in just a minute. But first, a great offer from our friends, at Rocket Mortgage. Support for the Crossover NBA podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. Let's talk about buying a home. It can be one of the most important purchases you'll ever make, but today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher payments, which can turn a great experience into an anxious one. That's why Quicken Loans created their power buying process. Here's how it works. They check your income, assets, and credit to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer, making your offer more attractive to sellers. Once verified, you qualify for their exclusive rate shield approval. They'll lock up your interest rate for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. Then, once you've found the one, if rates have gone up, your rate stays the same. If rates have gone down, you get to keep that new lower rate. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect for America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Mannix. That's rocketmortgage.com slash Mannix. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. All right. Um... Let's move on to Carmelo Anthony. The union between Carmelo Anthony and the Rockets is officially over. Uh, after just 10 games in a Houston uniform, the Rockets have decided it just wasn't working. Anthony is away from the team now, and there's an expectation he will eventually be waived once he and the team figure, uh, he and his team, I should say, figure out uh, his future. Uh, Nick, Anthony was a long shot to work in Houston. I think I went on your show and said it was a desperation move yep. uh, by the Rockets. You were right about that. Are, are you surprised, though, that Houston pulled the plug this fast on Carmelo. Once I saw how it was going, I was not surprised they pulled the plug. I am surprised it was such a disaster. And maybe I shouldn't have been. Listen, I Le- LeBron has warped all of our minds about what is realistic for a guy in year 16. Like, here's the thing. Let's look at that draft, cl- draft class. Dwayne Wade peaked really in year six he held on to that peak through year 10 and then deteriorated every single year substantially to where now like he can take a three-week leave a paternity leave and no one even criticizes him for it because he's a bit player Chris Bosch I understand that Chris Bosch has different reasons for being out of the league but what even absent the blood clots what would Chris Bosch have been and then you have Mello 
who people need to put some respect on my guy Melo's name. He he was the best player on a team that was 2-2 in the Western Conference Finals against Kobe's Lakers. He was in the best player on a team I know you know well, that Knicks team that won 50-something. The year LeBron would have been unanimous MVP, but you know who got the one first-place vote that wasn't for LeBron? Carmelo my, Anthony. My friend Gary, Gary Washburn. Washburn. I understand. And the only reason <laughs> that that doesn't bother me is it made Steph the first-ever unanimous MVP, which made LeBron them beating them. Uh, never mind. I've talked about LeBron too much, and we'll do it more later. That like Carmelo was still an awesome, an awesome player, arguably one of the five best players in the league five years ago. And his game has deteriorated 10 to 15% every year since, and now he's not playable. And that's where he's at. I he he was his age, he couldn't have a Vince Carter or even Jason Kidd like reinvention. And so that I the if I'm a winning team, I don't want him. I think he walks into the Hall of Fame. I think he's an all for his era, one of the best scorers. All of those things are true. I also don't think he's good anymore. And it makes me sad, but it's accurate. Yeah, and you can add to Carmelo's Hall of Fame credentials that I think he's probably the greatest USA basketball player. No question player of all about time. it. I mean, no. he's, and he's, and if for Hall of Fame credentials, arguably the best freshman season we've sure. seen in college basketball. All of that matters, and it's why I I've always hated this idea that he's some loser, he's some bum. I I don't buy that. But at this point, he's washed. It's sad, but he's washed. Yeah, and look, this to me felt like the beginning of basically what we saw at the end in Oklahoma City, where Billy Donovan in Oklahoma City was realizing the second half of the season, you can't play Carmelo Anthony in the fourth quarter. That's why he went with Jeremy Grant and more athletic, versatile players. Mike D'Antoni had realized the exact same thing. If Carmelo Anthony's out there not making shots, and he had his field goal percentage right around 40% for the second year in a row, his three-point percentage was even lower, around 325 38 33%, which I believe was the lowest in a decade for Carmelo. If he's not out there making shots, there's not much else he brings to the table. He certainly doesn't present the defensive versatility that you can get from some cheaper, no, I'm not cheaper anymore, but uh, you know, more uh, younger uh, more versatile defensive players, guys that don't need the basketball, guys that are going out there just to run the floor and play defense, which on that Houston team, when Chris Paul and James Harden are healthy, is all you really need. So I think the Rockets, they figured this out right away and said, look, we, we can have Carmelo on the team and play him for 15 minutes per game in the second and third quarters, but that's not going to be good for anybody. And that's eventually going to be a big distraction. So I think they short-circuited this quickly so it didn't get to a point where the acrimony became part of the storyline. And because the Rockets were spiraling, man. Yeah. Like, they they they, they signed Chris Paul to that deal not thinking years three and four are going to be awesome. They did it for years one and two. They can't... If four years ago, the Rockets made the Western Conference Finals. They lost to the Warriors. And the next year, they limped to the eighth seed and got bounced. That was the year that... Uh, if I'm not, I think, is that right? That's the, well, whatever it was. They, they, they got the, they, they limped to the eight seed and they got bounced immediately. Last year, they made the Western Conference Finals. They looked like a team that might be recreating history there. They couldn't run that risk. Yeah. Have you, where do you stand now on the Rockets' decision not to bring the band back together? Specifically, Trevor Rees, and I know Trevor Rees' numbers are down in Phoenix, but, I think they would have been better in a in a, in, a, in the same role in Houston. And 
I, I know Luke Mabamute sometimes it was overinflated what he did with that team, but they let him walk away. Where do you stand on that now and them not bringing that whole group back? I think it's one of the more overrated storylines of the year, to be honest. I Listen, they, they, they needed – Capella was going to get a massive raise. Chris Paul was getting a raise. Harden has raises built in. Bringing Ariza back at $14 million a year was not tenable, and he's – in. And he's not worth it. Now, the the I think James Ennis can replace Mute fine. The difference for them, in my eyes, defensively, at the beginning of the year, was they didn't have Jeff Bezdelic. They, they ended up paying him to come back. Clint Capella was not the same guy at the beginning of the year that he was throughout last year. And Chris Paul had missed time. Like, the... I. I don't I think the only major mistake the Rockets made this offseason was Carmelo. I I totally understand the Ariza Mabamute decisions. Well, I would the one counter I would say to that is that even though Ariza on the court, you know, maybe you can replace what he does. He's a great locker room guy. Sure. And I don't know how and I don't know what kind of value you put on that, but bringing a team that had great chemistry and taking away a good chemistry guy from that team, from a team that, you know, we, it bears repeating up 3-2 on Golden State before that Chris Paul injury, headed home for Game 6. Uh, no matter what the cost, Nick, I mean, people like us, why do we care about how much a team costs? If you're going to go out there and if you want to sure. win a championship and you have an opportunity to do it in one year, look, Ariza didn't get a three-year, $45 million deal. It was a one-year, what, $14, 15000000 million yep. deal. If you're not willing to spend that money for a team that looked like it was built to win a championship that year, that's on you. That's on them for not being willing to put up that kind of cash. It, absolutely. I do want to see if Ariza by the end of the year looks like how he has in the beginning of the year, though. I think the I, I, I the Rockets are smart people, and they don't have a cheap owner. And I know they got a new owner, Tillman Fertitta. Yeah, uh, the, a lot of money. I, I, a lot of money. Golden Nugget guy. I, I don't. I, let's see if maybe the Rockets, their their analytics and their intel were telling them Ariza is going to deteriorate quickly, and let's see if that ended up being right. I wonder, too. There's some people in the NBA that wonder if Ariza gets bought out at some point if by comes Phoenix back? if he finds his way back. Yeah. Well, that'd be interesting. That I like that idea. There. Um, lastly on Carmelo. You know, he's not been waived yet. That's inevitability. But I think he and his team, I know he and his team, are kind of looking around trying to sit, figure out uh, if there's a team that wants him, and if there's a situation that makes sense to you, is there a team? Is there a situation that makes sense, or are you on, you know, Team Tracy McGrady, who's, you know, has has had some experience being a faded player late in his career, who says Carmelo Anthony should retire? Washington, why not? Let's just get him there. <laughs> oh, you're gonna do that to Scott. Let's Brooks. just see what you're happens. Do that to Scott. Let's just get him to Washington and see what the hell the dysfunction looks like. Him and Dwight and the arena worker heckling them both. Yeah, no, I think it. I think it's over for him. I think Miami would take him. Sure, because, why not? Why not? Because Miami's crazy. You know, Miami is like when you ask teams across the league if Washington decides to break it up, who would take on John Wall? Everybody says Miami. John Wall's got a forty million dollar contract next year. Miami don't care. Yeah, no, no, no. Miami, sure, and he can be with D Wade. He he'll play with all of his buddies except for LeBron, who LeBron, you know what I mean, quietly the last few years has had a lot of opportunities to play with Carmelo, and LeBron has not wanted to. <laughs> he has. That's true. All right. Speaking of LeBron. Your Lakers. What, what do you do? No, 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 no. My Lakers. Let's calm down on that. But what do you do last night? I was watching football. I missed it. Yeah, he was excellent last night. And they needed him to be, by the way, every bit of excellent to get past uh, the Miami Heat. 51 points. Oh, okay. And it wasn't, look, it, it was a great performance because it wasn't just LeBron scoring in transition. That was 
That looked to me, Nick, like Tor- versus Toronto Raptors LeBron when he's like stepping back and fading away and, and showing the complete arsenal that he has. Last, last 10 games, 50% from three on six a game. <laughs> he's, he's playing great offensively. Uh, L.A., though, 8-8 eight and eight in the first month of the season. Is this where you thought they would be? 9-7, and seven, have... right? 9-7, and because they were 8-7. 9-7, sorry. 9-7, seven. Seven, my They're fault. trying to cheat them out of a win. You're right. I, I had, because I, I made this rundown up last oh, night. Oh, and you assumed they were going to lose. <laughs> eight, You're going to go eight, ahead and, yes. no, no, you didn't think LeBron was going to hit them for a 50-piece. Let me ask real quick, trivia question for you, Mannix. So you find out if you watch my television show this morning. The, do you know the complete list of guys to score at least 50 in year 16 or later? I do not. It's LeBron James and the Kobe game, the 60 points on 50 shots. (laughs) The complete list of guys to score 50 in year 15 or later. Here's a fun one. Karl Malone did it once. The Kobe game that I mentioned, the 60 points on 50 shots. And LeBron once in last year's regular season, once in the finals last year, and once last night. Three times in the last calendar year, LeBron's gone for 50. What was your question again? I already forgot. I mean, I've been bur- it was something been, about the Lakers. You're trying to downplay it or something. I I've know. been buried under an avalanche of statistics mm-hmm. here. I don't know what to, uh, where to go. But the Lakers 9-7. Is this where you thought they would be going into Thanksgiving? So he was 8-7 and seven the first time back with Cleveland. He was 8-7 and seven the first time back with Miami. And he was 8-7 and seven before last night the first time in Los Angeles. This is, I, I think they probably should be 10-6. and six. They could be 11-5, and five, but they also could be, instead of 9-7, and seven, they could be 8-8 eight and eight or even 7-9. and nine. It's about right. Now, what is disconcerting to me, here's the thing that I have to be totally honest about, is that there are, there's only so many hours in the day and there's 30 NBA teams, right? And so there are certain teams that if they're not really good, I, the, because my job, I got to cover all leagues, all sports, right? That I'm doing more box score reading than actual game watching, mm-hmm. uh, and, except for in the playoffs. And so the Lakers, I have found, I did not watch closely enough the last few years. I, when they added Jordan Clarkson, I, I looked at his numbers. I looked at who he was. I was like, hey, this is a quality addition that when the Cavs did. I then watched him play for the Cavs, and within two weeks, I was like, okay, this is the worst player in the league. Like, please keep him off the court at all times. I have been, I, I have been shocked at how underwhelming at all times Brandon Ingram has been to me. Mm-hmm. And then this morning, I just kind of did a deep dive on it. Brandon Ingram has scored more than 26 points one time since high school. That ain't great. Like, a scorer that never... It'd be one thing if these were his averages, but he once a month popped for 40, and you're like, oh, he has that in him. His career high is 32, his next career high is 26, and that dates back to Duke. So that part's disconcerting. Now, what makes you feel okay is, as you were mentioning earlier, the West is not overwhelmingly dominant, and LeBron is somehow, in year 16, as good as ever. Like, hey, hey, look right now. Who's second league in points? LeBron. The only guy ahead of him, Steph Curry's missed a half dozen games. Who's second league in player efficiency rating? Oh, it's LeBron. The only guy ahead of him, Steph Curry's missed a half dozen games. Like, he and Embiid and Giannis have, along with Steph, but Steph's been hurt, 
and Anthony Davis, but he's missed some games, have been the best players in the league without question. And so, like, I don't know. Are we going to play the game again? Like, well, are they going to ask too much of him? Is he going to wear down? Because I remember people asking that last year, and then after playing all 82 games and leading the league in minutes for the second consecutive year, he went 34-9-9 in the postseason over a 7 plus 4 plus 7 plus 4, so do that math real quick, over a 22-game stretch. So, no, I, I think he's fine. I think they're going to be fine because they have him. Now, whether or not they regret not moving on from some of those young guys to add a superstar this year, I think that's something you'd have to ask Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka. Oh, yeah, I mean, because Brandon Ingram was the one guy that was effectively deemed untouchable in trade talks. Uh, and I, I got to see it, man. I got to yeah. see what, what I, I think, made look, him untouchable. I, he's having, from what I've seen, I've seen probably six or seven of these games, including last night. Uh, from what I've seen of Brandon Ingram, he's having a difficult time adjusting to playing off LeBron James. I do think he's capable of getting there. But last year, if you watch Brandon Ingram play, he was the guy with the ball in his hands in end-of-game situations. There was certainly a lot of freelancing that went on last year with the Lakers as they were just kind of this this sort of mix of players that didn't well, clearly didn't play all that well and didn't have, I thought, a great system uh, in place. I, I'll, I'll have to see because if they had a chance to get Kawhi Leonard by including Brandon Ingram in a deal, I don't know that to be true necessarily, but if they could have gotten Jimmy Butler for, getting, for putting Brandon Ingram in a deal... Maybe they do regret that uh, at this point. Especially if the if the West is, if the Warriors are vulnerable. Now, I don't think they are. But on the Ingram note, here's the thing. He, he, he did have the ball in his hands last year. And he gave you, in a team that played at such a fast pace, so all the extra possessions, he gave you 16 points a game. So, like, th- this year he's giving you, he's playing two less minutes, he's giving you 15 points a game. Like, I, the... Even last year when he was the guy, usually the guy on a team, no matter the level of player, is going to average 20-plus because somebody has to, right? Right. Every team in the league is going to score at least 90 points, so those points got to come from somewhere. And the other thing is, what is Lonzo Ball right now? Hmm. What's happening? Like, he can't be a spot-up shooter. That can't be his role. And I know that if these young guys don't develop, people will blame LeBron, but We're talking about two guys that are the number two pick of their respective drafts. Their development is their responsibility, and getting them in the best position is Luke Walton's responsibility. And so it is concerning that the Lakers have already had to go to the plan of, shoot, LeBron, you do it. Mm -hmm. And that was early in the year. I thought they were sacrificing potential wins because late in games, they were not doing what every LeBron team has done for the last seven years late in games, which is clear out either high pick and roll, one for low, or straight isolation, every possession down the court for LeBron. They were running that motion offense they'd been running throughout the games, and I think it was to get these guys opportunities for so everyone could see how Luke Walton would coach in those situations. But at some point, you got to make sure you win games. And shockingly, the best chance for the Lakers to win games is have the greatest player ever have the ball in his hands. Let me tell you what's encouraging to me about the Lakers right now. The, the shooting is better than what it was the la- a couple of weeks ago when you oh. and I were... We're talking about this. It's it's up to about 11th and three-point shooting. They're at 36%. That was, that's a significant improvement. Shocker. Uh, the defense has gotten a little bit better. They're still playing at a high pace, but you know, in terms of, of points per 100 possessions, yep. they're up to 19th right now 
uh, in the NBA. The bad part of this is, and you were talking about Golden State and how we said that Golden State, the path is a little bit clearer because there isn't a Rockets team standing in their way right now. The top of the Western Conference isn't as tough. I think that might work against the Lakers because it's a deeper conference than I thought it was going to be, meaning there aren't as many gimmies as I thought there were going to be. Really, right now, Nick, the only gimme is Phoenix on, on any given night. You know, Memphis isn't a gimme anymore. The Clippers are not a gimme. Uh, the t- you know, the Jazz Sacramento right now. Sacramento hasn't Sacramento been a gimme. Sacramento is not a gimme. Dallas so, hasn't been a gimme. Yeah, yeah you've, you've got to bring your A game if you're the Lakers to get these games that you need to rack up so you can have wins in the bank when you play the Golden States, the Portlands, or... Well, uh, here is the one thing that is... Uh, Portland are pretty good against. And, and, and Portland, they've already played three times, and they play the, they play them again the final game of the year. The Spurs, who are always going to be consistent, they play the Spurs four times by, I think, December 12th, and then they're done with them. Now, they obviously do not play the Warriors until December 25th, I think. I think their first game against the Warriors is Christmas, and then they play them three more times the rest of the year. But I the let me ask you this, man. Do you still think they're going to miss the playoffs? Yes. Okay. Look, and you know why? Because they look at this upcoming road trip they've got. They're, it's almost must win for some of these games. <laughs> You're going to go to Orlando, must win. You go to Cleveland, must win. Like you've got to get these must win games because you do have like two straight okay. against San Antonio in December. Well, there are a lot of tough games they have coming up. If they don't get these gimmies that are on their schedule, they're going to find themselves in the outside looking in. Well, they gave away that Orlando game. That was perplexing. And that and that's I think one of the reasons why LeBron, who oddly hadn't won in Miami since he was a member of the team, played the way he did last night. Come on. The Cleveland game, if they lose to Cleveland, I will also be concerned. But Cleveland <laughs> is a, was last year was a 15-20 to 20 win team, masquerading as a 50-win team because of LeBron. They, they, I, I understand what you're saying, but they have, they, they have not done poorly against the best teams. As we said with Portland, the first game they, of the year, they played Portland, they got beat soundly. The second game could have gone either way, they got it, and the third game, they beat them soundly. They, they beat Denver when Denver, that was Denver's only win for its first dozen games of the year. They, they have played well, I think, against San Antonio, even though the results haven't been there. They have, they lost one game in, by, against San Antonio on the LeBron missed free throws. They lost another game by four points. Like, I, I think they are going to be fine, but I also think it might be at the expense of some of the young guys getting big game ball in their hand at the end experience because they do have to win these games. Yeah, I brought up Orlando because they have Orlando on Sunday at home. That's enough. Like the next two out of the three, Cleveland, Orlando at home. Yeah, like you got to win those games. Like absolutely, and no, no, no. Afford. And they shouldn't have lost the one in Orlando. They right. played a great first quarter and then just were not prepared the rest of the game. It was bizarre. And it, but the again, I think that the I'm looking at the West, and I'm just asking myself, who do I know in the West is going to finish ahead of them? The I said at the beginning of the year, I thought they'd be the three seed. I'll stick with that. Like I. I know Golden State's going to be fine, but I, I, the teams ahead Utah's of Utah's going to be fine too. Utah's going to be fine. Okay, Utah might end up being by 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 Golden State. I mean, I know there's still. I feel like there's still going to be a top two seed. Right. I don't know how good Utah is with Donovan Mitchell not showing any improvement from year one to year two, and with Donovan Mitchell shooting forty percent from the field. Like I, I, I don't know how good Utah is. 
I don't. I, I, I think Utah had a lot of, because they're good against the Warriors, we made them better than they necessarily were. I also, I, Jokic went to me from one of the most underrated players in the league to briefly one of the most wildly overrated players in the entire league that I think crescendoed with that 30-point triple-double without a missed shot. You don't know what Jokic is going to show up except for the Jokic that's terrible defensively. So, like, I just... I, I look around the Western Conference, New Orleans is getting there the same way the Lakers are, on the strength of one great player. And I, I, I Memphis is not a real team to me. I don't care if they're 10-5. and five. I don't believe in them at all. I also don't believe in the Clippers. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. Pelicans are, by the way, a great team at home, brutal on the road. The, yep. the, they're night and day in terms of how they play at uh, home on the road. I, I look, I'm to put a button on this. I'm sticking with my original prediction as well. Outside looking in on the playoffs, nine seed. Maybe you even have one of those situations like you had last year with Denver and Minnesota, where they have to. It's like a play-in game at the end that the Lakers don't get in on. I just all right. I, I don't think well, we'll see. There. I mean, <laughs> they, in, in your in your defense, they are two whole games out of first place in the West. Yes, <laughs> they yes, have they one are. more loss than Golden State. I mean, I don't know what the hell's wrong with them. Well, we'll what about, hold on, before we go, what are we not going to talk about your beloved Celtics? We because are. They, that's have, they have the same record as these terrible Los Angeles yeah, Lakers? That's, that's right. But by the way, you're, you're, you're mirroring of LeBron's experience first year in Miami, first year in Cleveland. That's ridiculous. That, that, in Miami, because in, in Miami, yeah, they were, what, 9-7, but they had Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, and you knew that they were going to be really good. In Cleveland, they had Kevin Love, and they had, you know, Kyrie. Trist, they had Kyrie, exactly. So you knew they were going to be really good. You can't possibly have the same feeling about this Laker team where you know they're going to be as good as those two teams were. I Listen, I know. Here's what I know. Here, here is what I know. That the, the, the Kevin Love before he got with LeBron, had never been on a winning team, and the, the Cavs won with or without him. I know that, that that Cavs team showed me in the NBA Finals that that team was LeBron. Like, Kyrie is an excellent wingman, and Kyrie, when he's a supporting actor, is as good as anybody in the league. When he's your main actor, eh, we'll see the how, how that ends up turning out. But the will the Cavs be a... I'm sorry, will the Lakers end up being a an offensive juggernaut the way those teams turned into? The the Cavs teams? Maybe not. Will they be a defensive juggernaut the way the Heat were? Almost assuredly not. But w- will they be fine because they have the guy who is still everything I told you last year, like everything I told you last year about the Cavs, you can apply to this year's Lakers team, but this year's Lakers team has more talent. You, again... LeBron's career averages are 27-7-7. and That has made him a consensus top three all-time player. And this year he's averaging 29-8-7. So there is no baked in eye. He's going to get worse. He's going to get tired. All of those teams were really good because in sports, it's not always the case, but in sports, if you have the greatest guy in the history of your sport, you're typically really good. Do you have any concerns? You you, you kind of pushed off the... LeBron workload stuff, but he's averaging 35 minutes a game, and he's played every game that they've had this season. No concern there. I, I Listen, I, I think the 35 minutes a game would probably be the lowest he's had in like four years. Yeah, by, by like a tick, by like a minute. You know, like he was like 36 and change And, last and you could argue that 35 minutes at this pace 
is actually a little more strenuous, yeah. strenuous than what he had been playing, the, the pace he'd been playing really throughout his entire career. Uh, am I concerned? No. No, I'm not concerned. He, Mannix, why would anyone... Why would anyone think LeBron's going to be anything other than what he's been? If there was ever a year, ever a year, where the workload was going to catch up to him, it would have been last year. When the year before last year, he led the league in minutes per game. Last year, he led the league in total minutes, minutes per game, played every single game, and did it under very stressful circumstances with awful supporting players. And what happened in the playoffs? He played 42 minutes a game, and had the greatest individual statistical playoff run in the history of the sport. We think over the summer he just got old? Like, no, I'm not worried about his workload. Luke Walton should play him as much as he's playing him, if not more. And look, he clearly has... um, He he knows how to practice, and he knows how to to keep himself fresh in between games, so that that 35 minutes is his most strenuous work of the week. And he knows how to rest on the court. Right. It's why I thought no, he's done that defensively. Right. A, a lot. It, it, and it's why all, all the all the folks that now when I, we do the LeBron Jordan thing, try to say, oh, Le- LeBron's not half the defender Jordan was M- miss me with that. Le- Jordan. And you know what Jordan was doing in year 16? Nothing because he was in his third retirement. The, Le- LeBron has it can has shown and he showed in the playoffs and he showed in that game where he passed Wilt and he had three blocks at the rim that when necessary he needs to he can channel great defense. He should have won defensive player of the year the year he was nearly unanimous MVP. Mark Gasol won it uh without even being first team all defense that year. The LeBron, it is so amazing to me. And I'm not talking about just fans, but and I'm not talking about you either, obviously. But like folks in who do this professionally don't seem to understand that there is a correlation between the guy who has played 10 seasons in the last eight years, who also has never been injured, who also has gotten better in years 14, 15, and 16, and how he paces himself throughout a game and throughout a season. Like, all of that is intentional and obviously has worked out. All right, more with my conversation with Nick Wright in a minute, but if you're like most of us, you have a balance on your credit cards and higher interest rate than you would like. Why not turn those balances into one monthly payment at a lower fixed interest rate and start saving some money? Lightstream offers credit consolidation loans from 6.14% APR with AutoPay. Get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000, and you can even get your funds as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a great interest rate and no fees. Plus, they're a division of SunTrust Bank, one of the nation's largest financial institutions, so you can have complete peace of mind. My listeners can save even more with an additional interest rate discount on top of Lightstream's already low interest rates. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Mannix. That's lightstream.com, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash Mannix. Subject to credit approval, rate includes a 0.5% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Again, visit lightstream.com slash Mannix for more information. All right, let me finish with the Celtics here. Boston fit, felt the nine and seven after loss to Utah on Saturday. Oh, Bad man. loss. They didn't look good at all. Sure. Um, <laughs> the Celtics, their defense uh, continues to be great. Number one in defense efficiency this year. The offense, though, 
is horrible. Uh, 27th in offensive efficiency, 29th in field goal percentage, near the bottom third of the league in three-point shooting. Nick, this was a team that was not great offensively last year, but pretty good. Uh, and they added two all-stars, two high-scoring all-stars to the mix in Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. Why is Boston's offense so bad? All right, so the, the credit to their their players and their coaching staff for the defense, for year over year du- duplicating it, and the defense has been spectacular, and at the end of games, they are still a very dangerous team, as dangerous as any team in the league. But we got to stop saying they added two All-Stars. Because they had Kyrie Irving for the majority of last year that led to whatever they were offensively, right? Like, they had him for 60 games last year. And Gordon Hayward, right now, not only is not an all-star, right now Gordon Hayward's not a good starter. So if they do add another all-star, then we should bake that into it. But at the time being, what they added was a guy who's playing 30 minutes a game, and not or 25 minutes a game, and is not helping them. He's hurting them. Like, so that's part of it. Kyrie had as bad of a first two weeks of a season as could be imagined, and then he got a shower, a shave, got rid of the beard, got rid of, fixed the hair, and he looks awesome once again. But you cover this team more closely than, than I do. Have Are we yet to have a game where both Kyrie and Tatum play great? Like, that's the concern, is that... Can is I the other night when he had what did he have 40 and 10 assists? Mm-hmm. That was one of the best all around games I've seen Kyrie play, but that's not typically who he is. And I tried to emphasize the point that Jason Tatum last year, I think, was the all time record holder for three point percentage on corner threes. That was going to regress. Now, I didn't expect Jalen Brown's offense to regress as much as it did, but the other point I made that people tried to slough off was we cannot simultaneously say Brad Stevens is the best coach in the league, which I believe he is, and because he turns average players into, turns Terry Rozier into 80% of Kyrie Irving, and then also give the Celtics the full boost that a team would get by adding the actual Kyrie Irving. Like, does that? I'm not. This isn't me being a Boston hater or anything. Like, they part of part of Brad Stevens' brilliance in my mind is getting the most out of average players. But you still only have 240 minutes a night, and we were baking in all this advancement when the team was playing. They weren't playing like they had Kyrie and Gordon, but Tatum was as good as Gordon Hayward, right? Like last year, at least at the end of last year. Rozier, when Kyrie got hurt, was giving you 75 to 80% of Kyrie Irving. So how much better did we think they realistically would get? And the East got, the, the Bucks got a real coach. Philly got a year older and just added Jimmy Butler. And Toronto added Kawhi bleeping Leonard. Mm-hmm. Like the... the I, I think for all those reasons, Celtics, 65 wins, they can challenge the Warriors. It was always overstated, and you know this has been my opinion. I had the Celtics in my preseason picks losing in the second round. I stand by that. Okay, I still think the Celtics are going to figure it out because I don't think, I mean, look, Kyrie is much better than what he was to start the season. 
He's we been awesome lately. And, and we have to remember, too, that you know he's not coming off a Gordon Hayward injury, but he is coming off his third knee surgery in two years, one that uh, didn't even have him back on the court playing five-on-five five till midsummer. So I think there's still another level that Kyrie Irving can get to, especially as he gets more comfortable playing with his guys. We know that Gordon Hayward's going to get better. He's now just just now off the minutes restriction. I don't know how long, Nick, it's going to take him to get his explosiveness uh, explosiveness back. He was an explosive player in Utah. You yep. know, go back and watch the film. He was a real explosive guy. Cutter, uh, you know, a guy that relied on speed, quickness a lot. I don't know when that comes back, but I think it's going to at some point this year. My biggest problem with the Celtics right now is that offensively, they are completely uncomfortable playing with each other, and I think that's a byproduct of this starting lineup. I don't like this starting lineup one bit. I think it was an easy way out for the Celtics, for Brad Stevens, for everybody there, because nobody had to really sacrifice by saying they were going to the bench because you started all five of these guys. You start Al Horford at the five, Tatum at the four, Brown's in there, and you have five really good offensive players. Guys do different things, but really good offensive players starting off games and trying to figure out how to play together. And I don't think they know how to play together. If I was the Celtics, and I think it's going to come to this at some point, you take one of those starters out of the lineup. Maybe it's Jalen Brown. Maybe it's Jason Tatum. Whoever it is, I don't think it's going to be Hayward because I think they need Hayward's passing in that starting lineup. Take one of those guys out. Put Marcus Smart in there. Put Aaron Baines in there. Put somebody that doesn't need the ball in his hands at all times and, and put that other guy onto the bench to lead that second unit. That has to happen because right now they are a team that lacks any kind of chemistry on the floor when I watch them play. Yeah, I the I think right now I think Hayward's killing them. And I I don't blame him. I want to make this clear. He should be given a lot of room. But why would you said for the passing? Like Horford's a good passer. Kyrie theoretically is supposed to be a good passer. Why could you not let Hayward be on the second unit and have the offense run through him? Well, because I think eventually they want Hayward playing with the starters there. Because you go back to training camp last year and going into that first Cleveland game, one of the narratives, and they had a great training camp last year. I mean, they they were positively giddy coming out of that training camp about what they could be, which is in stark contrast to how they finished this training camp and what they were in the preseason of uh, of this past uh, uh, September, October. They, Hayward and Al Horford were going to be basically de facto point guards out there because Kyrie was more of a scorer. Jason Tatum was more of a scorer. Hayward was going to be the guy that, whether it was off those elbow screens or, or pick-and-roll plays, he was going to be the facilitator and the playmaker. In Brad Stevens' offense, I think that's still exactly what they want him to be. So they want him to shake off the rust and develop that chemistry once again with the starters because that's where they want him to be come playoff time. Uh, all right, that makes sense, and I get it. But this is – you were mentioning what the what the Lakers need to do out west. I will tell you this. Seeding is going to matter this year out east. Absolutely. And the, the, the idea that you could be in a position of having to – if you're the five instead of the four, and I know you probably don't think that's a possibility – but you could be in a position where you have to go through Philly, Toronto, and Milwaukee, all three of them. Like, that—that that is your path. 
if you're whoever comes out of there is going to have to go through at least two of them. And it's also where I think the home court is going to matter enormously. And the Celtics this year, if I'm not mistaken, there's what are they four and five on the road so far this year? Like they, we know they're better at home. We saw and, them and in historically, the playoffs last historically, year. Historically, when they go to Toronto, they get clobbered. When they right. go up to Toronto, they, when they play Toronto at home, they generally win. So yeah, I, I'm with you 100 percent on that. And so the, I mean, I just think. They got the 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 stretch of basketball that really concerned me was when Kyrie started to play well, and despite that, they lose in Indiana, they lose in Denver, they I mean they stole one in Phoenix, and then they, they that win in Phoenix doesn't galvanize them at all. They lose in Utah and they lose in Portland, and then it's the Chicago Toronto games that get them going, and then when you think they're going to get going again, you mentioned it totally flat. And 86 points in 2018 NBA, that's like 65. Mm-hmm. Like, and so, yeah, I think I think it's a real I think it's a real thing. And I also think that the you are now when you play the Raptors, like everyone says, ah, they beat the Sixers in five. They did, I get it. And they, they there were three games that coin flip games, they won them all. But they also the series before that, the, the Bucks took them seven. And the Bucs are better. When you play the Bucs, you do not have the best player on the court. When you play Toronto, you will not have the best player on the court. When you play Philly, you might not have one of the three best players on the court. That is problematic no matter how great your defense is. They needed that home court advantage in the first round last year. I yes. don't even I'm not sure they beat Milwaukee in Milwaukee in that game seven of the first round. Look, sacrifice... Home court it, advantage was huge for Boston until Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals when the greatest yes, we, player ever okay. killed him. Uh, thank you for that. No problem. I didn't know if we're, you forgot. I no, saw you at the game. I didn't know. It's a podcast. We're going to cut that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the what, what I When I hear players talk about sacrifice, it's great. But sacrifice actually has to have a tangible effect. And to me, with Boston, sacrifice is somebody from that collection of young stars, whether it's Jalen Brown. I know Jalen Brown... At some point, it's going to be thinking about his contract, and you know you want to get starters money in this league, and he's proven himself to be an NBA starter. Or Jason Tatum, somebody's got to say, "I will be the leader of that second unit." Because the second unit, by the way, I didn't check the numbers before we started, but it's not that good. Like they're not putting up big second unit numbers. So a good score with that group, I think, would be an asset. But somebody, if you're going to say you're going to sacrifice, if you want to be on a championship team somebody's going to have to sacrifice and, and go to that second unit. Let me ask you two quick questions because yeah. I know we're going way late. One is this. Is there any chance, barring injury, that the Celtics don't offer Kyrie the full boat max this summer? I, I, I think it's a, on the board, right? I think there's a chance. I think it's a small chance, and I think it's not one that's even worth talking about until we see how the whole season plays out. All right, second point. How mad are Celtic fans right now that the Kings aren't trash? <laughs> I think the front office is more pissed off about that. That the Kings are all of a sudden eight and eight, and the dreams yeah. of Zion Williamson dancing yeah. in their eyes in yeah. their eyes like sugar plums. All of a sudden, you know what I mean? We're gonna add bowl bowl to this team, and I while can- that's exciting, <laughs> it is not Zion Williamson. I can tell you with a hundred percent certainty that that. Yet the Kings' record has not gone unnoticed among Celtics front office types. That's, now, uh, they they don't get the pick if it's number one overall, right? 
But they get uh, they yes. get every any other scenario they get the pick. Believe me, thoughts of the number two pick in the draft are have been maybe not now, but have been in the head of the mm-hmm. Celtics. Set, let's go Kings. Let's what is it? Kings. I forget all the scenarios. They could have as many as four first round picks. I think Memphis. I think Memphis being good helps them. If I'm not mistaken, and I think yeah, Memphis being good helps them. The Kings being good hurts them, and yes. so we know how this is going to turn. Memphis is going to fall into the lottery. They won't get that pick. It'll roll over, and that one I think can turn into twos at some yeah. point. The Kings will be decent. They'll get like the seventh pick, and someone will offer. It'll be floated out there. Anthony Davis on the board, but Danny Ainge doesn't want to move the seventh pick of the draft. No, no, I don't think that. No, no, no. Oh, what happened to Anthony Davis? By the way, before I go. What happened to Anthony Davis? I, I heard, I, 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 for years I've been hearing about Anthony Davis. Now Anthony Davis is talking about how if I don't play great, I can't play, I, we can't win, all these things. He signs with Rich Paul. I know that made you nervous. What happened to the, was Anthony Davis saving the Celtics? I, th- I think Anthony Davis is very much still on the board. Oh, you yeah. Know, it, it takes the Pelicans to want to trade him. Like right now they're still in the playoffs. Like so, you know, mm-hmm. if you can be a winning team, you're not going to trade Anthony Davis until Anthony Davis goes to them or until Rich Paul goes to them privately and says, look, we're not signing that new deal in 2020. I don't think the Pelicans are going to look to move. Like, what does that franchise become? No, no, no. You can never. You, you know how I feel about this. I, you risk letting him walk for nothing. I wouldn't trade him even at the deadline his final year. I, I am not trading Anthony Davis. Oh, you, no, 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 no. I don't agree with that. You're like, for, you, you would, make him you would turn down $200 million. Okay. Make him do it. Make him turn down... All that money, I you, your franchise turns into dust if you lose him. Why, Make, is it, why is Anthony Davis though not in the same echelon as KD and Durant and, uh, and LeBron in taking the one plus one type deals for a while? Uh, I maybe you will. Like maybe that's the case. But I, I, I those guys hadn't dealt with the repeated injuries, and as great as Anthony Davis is, listen, even Durant is going to run out of time on these one-plus-ones. LeBron maybe thought he was running out of time on the one-plus-ones. Anthony Davis has been unbelievable. He's also never, ever, ever going to be a Boston Celtic. But how do you turn down some combination of, like, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, and, like, four number one picks? Oh, my God. How do you turn down the ability to play Marcus Smart eight million a year? Those five points a game. It's about 13 Uh, 13 million a year. Pardon me. I mean, listen, I I understand he only gets five points a game and shoots about that many threes at 25%, but God damn it, that grit. That grit he he adds to your team, and he's so good looking. (laughs) But you would hold on to him all even if I would never trade him. Okay. I would never trade him. And I'm saying this, by the way, knowing that he might end up wanting to go play with LeBron, but I would never trade him. I would not trade Anthony Davis. He'll probably end up a Laker with Durant in a year. I'm going to be so And then your franchise is what? What are you if you move him? What are you if you you move him? You can get a Herschel Walker type of deal from somebody. It worked out great for the Magic moving Dwight. They, I mean, they've oh. just been. I mean, they they are top of the lottery every year. It's been great. Like the best superstar return was what? What Denver got for Melo? They've won. Oh wait, zero playoff series well, since I mean, then. Uh, well, what? I mean, tell me, tell me the time oh, okay. you trade the superstar and and you like the return. How about you trade multiple players? You wind up with the Brooklyn Nets. All their draft picks. Are okay, listen. Years. Enough breaking Billy King over the coals. I, I wrote a good Billy King story I, last week. I know I'm, you did. I, I know you. Billy King. It was. That's my point. I was. <laughs> just about to say that I, I'm just flipping through Sports Illustrated that's actually not true I read it online but I think it was actually in the magazine 
and I and I see my my guy Billy King, much like you, a first things first guest. And by the way, Mannix, I know it's a podcast, not the radio, but the audience. If I wasn't such a renowned basketball expert, they'd have had no idea who we were talking, who you were talking to for the last hour, or how they can check out my multiple national television and radio. Opportunities. Can I point out? Right I opened the podcast with it. In a moment, I'm going to close the podcast. Yeah, but there's an hour and ten minutes in the middle, my that's, man. That's radio. You do that on radio. Oh, to a podcast. Geez, you don't Louise. reintroduce. People the are guests. fast forwarding through this thing. They're like, "Wait, man, it's talking Celtics. Let me skip it." Okay, okay, here, okay here's <laughs> no, no, no. Part. I think it's Nick Wright talking Celtics. Let me skip oh, it. Okay. Manix talking Lakers is what people skip. Okay, this is fun as always, my friend. <laughs> Nick, always appreciate it, man. Catch Nick every morning, six thirty a.m. Chris Carter, Jenna Wolf. First things first. On FS1, if you want to listen to the radio at night, 6 to 8 p.m., Mad Dog Radio, Nick Wright's show is there. What's it called? Wright's? What's right? What's, What's right, right with Nick Wright? Appreciate that. That's you getting me back because when I had you on that radio show, I announced you as Chris Mannix from Encyclopedia oh, yeah. Britannica. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's good to talk to you, and I can't wait to have you on the TV show again soon, my friend. Likewise, my friend. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Nick Wright for joining the show. As always, you can download archived episodes on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, really anywhere you can download podcasts. While you're there, post a comment, leave a rating. You know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.